Good morning. Uh, my name's Travis. Uh, I live in Eltham and go to Bundura Presbyterian Church with my wife and children. So it's lovely to be with you today. Uh, well, can I invite you and encourage you to open up your Bibles in the pew? Uh, you will need them later on. So I'm going to be having two Bible readings. The first one is from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And the second Bible reading at the end of the book, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, from verses 9 to 14. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, 
including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our world has turned itself upside down and inside out these past years and still seems to be, according to the news. Even here, in our small corner of the globe, our lives and daily routines do not remain unscathed by global events. Have you, like me, at some points throughout the last few years, felt dizzy, disoriented about your life? Who you are, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're heading. When God strips away, he has a habit of revealing the naked longings, desires and ambitions of our hearts. As a new year is now underway, as we set about the task of planning and prioritizing our time and energy and resources for another year, it's worth pausing to ponder, to reevaluate what really matters, what deeply satisfies and what makes us truly happy. Pausing to ponder and reevaluate is not a waste of time. In fact, rushing forward into what we previously have done, because that's the way we've always done it, is just silly. Before setting out on the next stage of a hike, a wise traveller reorients themselves with their surroundings and gets their bearings so that they're heading in a direction that will take them to where they want to finish. Reevaluating helps us to get our bearings right. And that's true regardless of what type of year has just passed. 2023 calls for quiet and, sorry, calls for pause and quiet contemplation. The temptation to try and rush back to the way things used to be, back to normal, ought to be resisted. The Lord always strips things away to teach us about ourselves and to draw us to himself. So let me urge you during our time together over the next two weeks to pause, quietly reflect and reevaluate what really matters in your life. Let's contemplate our past journey and the one yet to come. Individually, collectively, what are your aspirations for 2024 and into the future? What are you hoping to achieve How do you hope to spend your time and energy and other resources? Let's reorient ourselves again as we hear together God speak to us from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. God says to each of us this morning, as a new year is underway, everything, everything is meaningless. Let me pray for us. Uh, Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, uh, I give thanks to you for your word today, for this little portion in the Old Testament that's so easy to brush over. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would open our ears and give us ears to hear. I pray you would help each of us to be diligent, to listen carefully to your word. Help me to speak truthfully and with boldness and clarity. Amen. Well, please strap in and keep your Bibles open on your phone or in, pers- uh, in, in an actual book and be ready uh, to use them. 
I'll be taking you on a whirlwind tour of Ecclesiastes and be directing you to many passages. It's important to follow up on those references so that you can test for yourself what you hear against what you read in God's word. Well, the book Ecclesiastes begins and ends on the same note with a conclusion. Uh, There it is in chapter 1 verse 2 and again in chapter 12 verse 8. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. That's the NIV, the one in your pews. Or what about the Christian Standard Bible? Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility, everything is futile. What about the King James? Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Or my personal favourite, the message. Smoke. Nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. This is, without a doubt, the main takeaway point the preacher wants to drive home to us today. Everything is meaningless. Everything is futile. All is vain. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. A chasing after the wind, as he goes on to describe. The rest of the book provides the evidence to support this conclusion. But the first question must be, why should we listen to or even trust what this preacher has to say? Well, in case you didn't know, that's where we get the title for the book from Ecclesiastes, which means one who speaks in an assembly. A preacher, chapter 12, verse 9 to 12 reads, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, he consistently taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and wrote words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. The conclusion the preacher reaches comes from the result of a great deal of research, reflection and writing. He weighed, explored and arranged the content of this book. As king, he was able to devote himself to study And to explore life in its entirety in a way that you and I could not. Chapter 1 verse 13. He observed all things and was able to apply himself fully to their pursuit. Chapter 1 verse 14. He tested for himself all that life had to offer. Chapter 2 verse 1. He spent time reflecting. Chapter 9 verse 1. For example, on what he saw and what it meant and how he should express it with us. He confirms that what you find in your hands this morning is delightful and accurate words of truth. You'll need to decide for yourself, and I hope you will remain open-minded, but make no mistake, this research paper in your hands today is not haphazardly slapped together from a superficial and untested investigation of the facts. This research paper, like a cattle prod, a stick with nails in it, can and will, in the hands of the good shepherd, 
get you and I back on track and moving in the right direction. Most of all, listen and trust his words because they are given to him by the chief shepherd. Ecclesiastes is in the Bible because it's God speaking a meaningful and timely word to those of us unsettled and searching for answers amidst the hustle and bustle of life. Let's get back to his conclusion now. Everything is meaningless. It's not the best translation, actually. The Hebrew word, hevel, which is translated meaningless, futile, vanity or smoke, he literally means a breath or vapour. The word hevel, say it to yourself, dissipates as it leaves your mouth. Hevel, hevel. I think smoke is the closest translation and the one I'll be using. Think for a moment about what smoke is like. How would you describe the nature of smoke? You can see it, it's real, but as soon as you reach out to take hold of it, it escapes through your fingers. Fleeting, transient, empty, without substance, unsatisfying, hevel. It's used 36 times in this book. That accounts for over half of its occurrences in the whole Old Testament. When you think Ecclesiastes, think Hevel. But what does he mean when he says everything is smoke? Well, in chapter 1, verse 3, he begins to use a phrase that he will repeat throughout the book. Listen carefully. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Under the sun is the author's way of saying everything in this life, in the here and now. Sometimes he says, under heaven. Uh, He's not an atheist, someone who doesn't believe God exists. He's just limiting the scope of his research to life as we see it and experience it. The author, who throughout affirms a firm relationship with God, views life purely from a human perspective, without the benefit of divine revelation. So what are some of these things, these under-the-sun things, which he labels as smoke? Well, as we read in chapter 1, verse 3, the work we do is smoke. In chapter 1, verse 12, wisdom and knowledge and their pursuit are smoke. In chapter 1, verse 17, madness and folly are smoke. In chapter 2, verse 1, pleasure is smoke. Whether it be building or gardening, acquiring property or wealth, they are smoke. In chapter 4, verse 4, achievements and envy are smoke. A chasing after the wind, he says. Chapter 4, verse 14, fleshes out that promotions and advancement in life are smoke. Riches, chapter 5, verse 10, are smoke. In chapter 8, verse 10, receiving praise is smoke. Injustice is smoke, chapter 8, verse 14. Old age is also said to be smoke, chapter 11, verse 8, as well as youth and vigor, chapter 11, verse 10. 
And lastly, let us not forget much dreaming and many words are to smoke in chapter 5, 5 verse 7. At the end of the day, this is, in the preacher's words, a meaningless life for us. A smoke-filled life. Chapter 6, verse 12, 7, 15, and 9, 9. But I ask, what makes these things smoke? Well, according to the preacher, all that life entails is smoke for three reasons. Chapter 1. Uh, sorry, number one, the first and most pronounced explanation that makes everything in life smoke is death. Death brings everything a person is or has accomplished back to zero and therefore renders what happens between the zeros, their birth and death, as smoke. Chapter 5, verse 15 to 17 says, And as he came to his mother's womb, so he will go again. Naked as he came, he will take nothing for his efforts that he can carry in his hands. This too is a sickening tragedy. Exactly as he comes, so will he go. What does the one gain who struggles for the wind? What is more, he eats in darkness all his days with much frustration, sickness and anger. Everyone dies. The wise, the fool, the young, the old, even animals. Chapter 9, verse 1 to 4. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice as it is for the good, so it is also for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead, but there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. The truth is, life is short and death is coming and will arrive someday uninvited and interrupt everything you love, leaving you in a generation or two forgotten. And that makes everything you live for smoke. The second reason the preacher has to explain why everything in this life is smoke is time and chance. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong or bread to the wise or riches to the discerning or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. For certainly no one knows his time. Like fish caught in a cruel net or birds caught in a trap, so people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. The set of rules by which this universe operates don't always work. Life is filled with exceptions to the rule. Time and time again, there are anomalies. Long life to the cruel while the respectable die young. Chapter 7, verse 15. 
pardoned for the guilty while the innocent are punished. Chapter 8, verse 14. Promotion for the fool while the hardworking are overlooked. Chapter 10, verse 6. Things in this life aren't fair. God has made some things crooked in this life and that makes life smoke. A chasing after the wind. The truth is we just don't know. We don't know how any day or any year or any hour will unfold. We don't know our future, chapter 3, verse 11. We don't know what will happen after us, chapter 3, verse 22. We don't even understand why things happen, chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. In the words of the preacher, Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Chapter 9, verse 1. Or what about, again, just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Chapter 11, verse 5. You just don't know. Life is full of unknowns and anomalies, and that makes it all smoke. Thirdly, the last reason the preacher has discovered that makes everything smoke is that things just go around in circles. You heard it in chapter 1. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes. The earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the seas never fall to the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. What has been will be, what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Around and around and around and around it all goes. We are rodents in a wheel, scurrying from day to day, but not going anywhere. Sure, there is a time for everything, chapter 3, but as the preacher says later in verse 15, whatever is has already been, and whatever will be already is. And it's this relentless cycle of life. You know, you've probably felt it at times that makes everything under the sun smoke. Smoke because of life's endless cycle. Smoke because of the unpredictable nature of time and chance. Smoke because of the inevitability of death. And so we end where we begun, smoke. Nothing but smoke, there's nothing to anything, it's all smoke. A chasing after the wind. No point living for health, you're just going to die. No point living for riches, you can't take it with you. No point meeting someone new, you'll soon be forgotten. No point climbing the ladder, someone else will climb ahead. No point learning, fool and clever are equally in the grave. No point running the errands. There'll be more waiting for you tomorrow. 
No point living for pleasure, it won't last. No point travelling, you'll forget anyway. If you've listened carefully to the preacher and in his words, taken what he says to heart. Chapter 7 verse 2. If you too have sought after purpose, meaning and satisfaction in life from things in this world, then you too, like the preacher, will hate life. Chapter 2, verse 17. You too will have a despairing heart. Chapter 2, verse 20. You too will have a restless mind at night. Chapter 2, verse 23. Perhaps you may have already been there yourself. And so the point is clear. This world and everything that we have or experience is no place to rest your hopes and will not ultimately satisfy the desires and longings of the human heart and conscience. This world and everything in it will not make you ultimately happy. Hevel, smoke. When I have a well-paying, respectable job, then I'll be satisfied. When my health has improved, then I'll be satisfied. When I have a family or 2.3 kids, then I'll be satisfied. When I finish school and am free from my parents, then I'll be satisfied. When I've been to Europe or secured a second property, then I'll be satisfied. The preacher says, I've done it all. Trust me, you are chasing the wind. It's just smoke and will not make you ultimately satisfied or happy. No true meaning, ultimate satisfaction, final purpose, enduring happiness for the preacher must be found in something that is not under the sun. What gets you up and keeps you going must come from outside this world and our daily existence. Well, for the preacher, that's God. God throughout the book is looming just behind the scenes to the daily grind of life. The preacher says in chapter 12, as we heard, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including everything, whether good or evil. Or chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Or chapter 2, verse 26. To the person who is pleasing in his sight, God gives wisdom, knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. Or chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. The preachers found that true meaning, ultimate satisfaction, final purpose, enduring happiness in this life for humanity can only be found in a right relationship with God. He's the creator, 
you're the creature. He's in heaven, you're on earth. He's the judge, you're the judged. He's to be feared, remembered, pleased and approached cautiously. And that's because as the preacher says in chapter 7 verse 20, there is certainly no one righteous on the earth who does good and never sins. And again in verse 29, I have discovered that God made people upright, but they pursued many schemes. So this year, if you haven't yet, fear God. Remember him while you are young and please him. The eternity he set in your hearts leads back to him, your maker. Fearing him means listening to his word and doing what he says. And what does he say to us today? Well, it's to trust Jesus, the Passover lamb, who laid down his life to pay the penalty for your sin and make you acceptable to God. It's to trust Jesus, the good shepherd, who knows you by name and calls you to himself in the gospel message. It's to trust Jesus alone, the good shepherd, whose voice you listen for and obey. True meaning, ultimate satisfaction, final purpose, enduring happiness in this life can only be found in relationship to Jesus. Make Jesus number one and every other good thing under the sun given by God will find their proper place. They are heavily smoke. A fleeting gift to be enjoyed, not an idol to be worshipped and clung to. Who knows, friends, what is coming your way in 2024? But through the preacher, God calls each one of us and all of us together back to himself. Don't live for money or family or school or health or some other earthly pleasure which will make you miserable eventually. It will leave you or you will leave it. Live for Jesus. Trust him only to make you right with God. It's Jesus that will do away with death. It's Jesus that will stop the world spinning. It's just Jesus that will make all things right. Listen to the shepherd's voice this morning in Ecclesiastes and do what he says. Here's some resolutions that will get you going in the right direction Back to God. 10. Number one, you are a mist that is here, then gone. You are grass that withers. Remind yourself so that you make the most of your time. Number two, ponder each day the depths of your sin by confessing them to God and seek forgiveness from Him found only in Jesus. Number three, List out those things you place your hopes on. They're usually the ones that bring us most pleasure or pain and label them as smoke. Number four, read a gospel this year from start to finish and ask the question, how does Jesus make me deeply satisfied in life? Number five, talk to someone Christian or not about what you're learning Number six, ask a fellow Melbourneian what they learnt about themselves in 2023 and what they think about God. Number seven, ask God each day for help to love others and do good. 
Number eight, choose a brother or sister in Christ to pour your love into this year. Number nine, enjoy the smoke as what it is, smoke, knowing that it and you won't last, but more about that next week. And lastly, number 10, look up to heaven daily and long for the day when all things under the sun will be made new. Let me pray. Our gracious God, I pray that you would forgive us for clinging too tightly to the things in this world to bring us a satisfaction and joy that only come from you. Remind us, Lord, that we and this place is fleeting and help us all the more to cling to you, something solid amidst a world that's passing away. Please, we pray today that you would renew in each one of us individually a deeper desire to cling to you through your son, Jesus. Amen.